You are listening to The Social Hotelier Show, a podcast that inspires hoteliers to create meaningful and memorable experiences for their customers in pursuit of their passion. We share our views and experiences relating to hospitality, technological trends, and also relating to humanity. Here is your host, Sam Eric Rutman. Hello, welcome back to the Social Hotelier podcast with me, Sam Eric Rutman. In today's episode, I have invited back Mark Dardenne, with whom we spoke about branding in the previous episodes. So, Mark, welcome back again for this exciting episode. Thank you, Sam. Always a pleasure to talk to you. One of the ongoing issues is that hotel management companies and brands, there's a discussion which comes first, culture versus strategy or do they go hand in hand? So uh, in this particular topic, uh, maybe we can mention some brands that are uh, that are great, or what are the brands that are great of an example for good brands and, and why are they great? No, absolutely, you know, it's a big discussion point on the importance of culture. And, you know, when I look at my career, uh, you know, when I did really, really uh, understand the, the power of culture is when I joined Ritz-Carlton, right? Previously, I'd worked some, with some great brands like Hyatt, with, together, with, together with Hyatt, which was uh, uh, kind of unwritten culture. And when I joined Ritz-Carlton, you know, it was so explicit, really. And uh, I saw how, how it really worked. You know, I remember the famous credo on the credo card, etc. And initially, when I, I joined, I felt that was, uh, uh, you know, very American, very brainwashing, etc. But then uh, suddenly, I, I, I got into it. And when the when it really clicked was uh, when I was asked to come to Atlanta to meet with the copper team. And I realized that how Schulze at that time, the founder, lined up as all this executive team and they were all talking about quality, about the credo card, etc. So I got a little worried because uh, I was afraid that he would ask me any questions. And uh, after that, on the flight back, uh, I said, oh, I better take this seriously. And suddenly it grew on me. And from uh, maybe some a non-believer to a believer, I became a real ambassador uh, and really lived by that credo. And I saw how powerful it was even really at um, line staff level, you know, I saw lineups, we used to call the, the morning meetings lineups. And I saw gardeners, our gardeners in Bali were lining up really, and we're talking about quality and credo and purpose. And that's when I, I thought, uh, wow, uh, this is uh, so powerful. And I, I, you know, I was on speaking engagement, etc. And I, I, I really uh, experienced how, how strong the culture was. Yeah, yeah. Well, <clears throat> I have similar experience in the sense when I worked, uh, I worked for several brands like yourself, but I think the best experience would be uh, Dusit uh, brand. Uh, I originally joined Dusit in, in Thailand and really got the strong sense about the culture. And I think at that time, the best hotels that Dusit had were the hotels in Thailand because the staff were Thai, uh, the owner very involved with uh, the, the brand and also ensuring that the, what we unspoken brand standards were followed. And it, it was something so much unspoken that you didn't really have to 
talk about what is uh, Thai culture or or what are the uh, social um, uh, norms or how the behavior and how guests was the most important thing for for us at at the Dusit, and uh, this always came up very strongly. But I know this one thing that uh, when we try to export the Dusit uh, abroad, uh, and now it's, that's going back uh, way back. There were some challenges, and I think uh, those are things that takes a little bit time to evolve. That you, when you're exporting a brand to another country, that uh, how it will take a lot of time to make sure that you're getting the brand as it as is known in Thailand to be, be the same. Uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, I agree. You know, um, I agree, and so that with several other brands, you know, take Shangri La for example, super. Um, successful obviously in Asia, etc. Not as successful really when you look at Paris or, you know, maybe I mean London, maybe uh, another good brand, the, the Indian brands, right, which have uh, truly, truly luxury hotels in India uh, had also issues um, exporting. And I think one thing that we discussed is also it starts at the top, culture starts at the top. And if you don't have leaders that are truly lived up and grew up with the brand, uh, you know, sometimes it doesn't go through because, uh, you know, they bring back uh, some of their other cultures that they gain from uh, maybe working for other groups, etc. So I think that, that, that could be, a, um, uh, you know, one of the issues. But um, when, when back to Ritz-Carlton, uh, you know, really globally, globally, uh, it, it, it was there now uh, much diluted, obviously, because obviously Mary took over, they have over 100 hotels, it becomes more and more difficult to stick to that uh, original brand DNA. Yeah. How, how did you find you were uh, involved with the Armani brand? How, what is your experience with that, considering that there's uh, one man who has, and uh, he is Mr. Armani himself? Yeah, I mean, it was uh, very interesting because it was really creating a brand and a culture of a hospitality culture for Armani, you know, so, so first is to understand really the, the, the Armani DNA, understand the man. Obviously, in this case, it was uh, Mr. Armani himself, you know, what are his values, what is his purpose, etc. You know, how does he work? And exactly what you did with Dusit, uh, we did the same thing with him, you know, so we tried to understand what he expected. And, uh, you know, one of the points was to be approachable. And I think I told a story in one of our podcasts, you know, that he wanted to be, to his, to be his brand, to be approachable and not out of reach, you know, so that's why, that's how we, we somehow translated in the hospitality culture that we created. And up to today, I think they have kept it pretty much alive and uh, still very, very successful. Yeah. <clears throat> Interestingly, I, I, I work for a brand called uh, Playboy Resorts, and uh, we didn't have, this was involved with a, <clears throat> a magazine, a lifestyle magazine. Uh, and when I really think back, it wasn't, I really couldn't think about what, what was signifying uh, the uh, Playboy as a hospitality brand. Yeah, it was a brand which uh, had uh, very nice uh, cocktail waitresses in fancy uniforms and in in their in their Playboy club. But overall, uh, all everyone who worked there, they came from different uh, backgrounds. Whether it was Hilton or Hyatt or uh, Holiday Inn. In fact, I learned 
I only knew or learned about uh, Hyatt when I worked for Playboy. And I, I and thanks to that I worked for Playboy, I realized how great brand that Hyatt is because the, the food, our food and beverage director was was with Hyatt and he was a very creative FMB guy. So I thought, no, oh, that Hyatt is a great brand. So I think I'm going to say bye bye to Playboy uh, as soon as I have a chance to join Hyatt, and which I did. And and I'm so glad that uh, I became part of that. Uh, management training program with Hyatt eventually, and uh, everything everything was very. You have to be very creative all the time, and I enjoy that part. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember Hyatt's uh, unwritten culture, really, because we didn't have any credo cards, etc. But you know, dealing with um, uh, our colleagues, you know, we felt there was something in common. I don't know about you, but like that's what I felt, you know. So it was uh, a very, especially in Asia, we were very entrepreneurial. I think that's one thing, you know, so and really uh, driving quality, uh, looking at food and beverage. Uh, I would call it also a bit play hard and work hard, uh, you know. So, you know, we had a lot of fun, but we worked very hard also, very approachable. And, you know, I still remember the, the big uh, uh, employee or colleague parties we did and how fun it was, etc. You know, so, so that was kind of an unwritten culture, but an important culture, right? So yeah. the other extreme is obviously the Ritz-Carlton. Uh, I'm not too sure uh, what really works, but one thing I want to say is that, uh, you know, a culture is created from within and we're just, um, I'm just in a project at the moment where we are creating a hospitality company and we obviously started with the culture. I said, look, we can't wait. I said, well, we have a branding agency. You know, the branding agency is not who creates the culture. It's us, a small team, 10, 12 people. Like Horst Schultz started, or Isidore Sharp with Four Seasons, etc. We are the gardens of, of the culture, you know. So we spent uh, so far two workshops together brainstorming. And, you know, we don't want to copy. Obviously, we looked at what other people did, etc., you cannot copy a culture. You have to create from within and create your own purpose. Yeah. And that's what we did. I think that's super important that it really comes from within. Now, of course, the design of the credo card or the, the posters on the wall, et cetera, et cetera, can be done by a branding agency and the employee promise and all that good stuff. But at the end of the day, you have to be the creator and you have to be the guardian of the, 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 the culture because you're going to need to walk it every day, you know, so, so on that, uh, that's very important because if you promise something to colleagues nowadays, even more than during our time, you need to deliver because they, they will keep you accountable for what you're saying and promising, you know, so I don't know what your experiences was with, uh, you know, the changing, uh, demographics, of course, of our colleagues but the way they, they look at really leadership nowadays. Absolutely. This is a, I mean, the, the, the time when I started my career and I was all very much, uh, uh, I didn't really, I was ambitious to advance in my career and I, I, I wouldn't dream about saying, no, I'm, I'm not going to work for this company anymore unless it was something really crucial. But I found that today, uh, you really have to earn the respect of the people that and those colleagues, and you have to create a, a like a relaxed, friendly atmosphere in the work workplace with the generation I, and uh, that are uh, the young hoteliers 
and they are not they are not willing to put up with any uh, old ways of thinking the old school of uh, I'm the boss kind of thing. They will say, okay, good for you. I'm leaving. <laughs> you have to be very careful, uh, and particularly in the t- time now where the hotels are short staffed. Uh, a perfect example now uh, <clears throat> in the Nordic and also there's the ski season coming up and hotels that are relying on uh, uh, the, the, during the ski season having their, the seasonal staff. Uh, there are some big challenges for those hotels, not necessarily uh, branded. They might Many of them are family-owned or they are, of course, branded that they are uh, and these uh, seasonal staff talk between each other which is a fun place to work, which one is, uh, they're really uh, could care less who I am and they just uh, use, me, use me for that three months and then uh, they kick me out and then they are very nice to me when, when, I, when they need me. So it goes for all the way from the big brands to the seasonal hotels to has to rely and you have to be able to convince them, those seasonal staff that, um, uh, that uh, you care for them and that, uh, there's a there's an opportunity you should they should uh, pick up on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the whole interview process has changed. Also, you know, I yeah. think we used to interview staff, right? So we ask all these questions. Now, my experience is that they're asking us questions, right? You know, so so what is what are you going to do for me? So so you try to hire somebody, and then what are you going to do for me? So what do you mean? I'm going to give you a job. Obviously, I'll give you a career. Clearly. But they really interview you. So, so what is the next step? You know, and I think that's yeah. great. You know, so good. I mean, sometimes it's too fast. You know, so they say, okay, who, who do you want to be? Oh, I want to take your job in two years. Yeah. So it might take a few years. But um, so, so that's that. And also ESG. You know, what is your commitment? They ask you, what, what oh, do you yeah. do for society? You know, what, what, what do you do? Do you recycle? Do you do? It? And then you give them a big spiel of yes, that's what they're doing. ESG very important. Then they start working with you and realize you don't care at all. You know, it's just, yeah. uh, you know, greenwashing. Mm-hmm. And then that's the next thing they come to you and say, you lied to me. I'm leaving. Goodbye. Thank you. Yeah. So, so that's, that's, that's what it is, you know? So, yeah. but I think it, it's being accountable and I think it's a good thing, you know? So I don't say that in the past we were not accountable, but we were so directive. You say, okay, you come join us. You do clean rooms, etc. You know, so this has changed into good. You know, I'm 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 really happy about these changes, and we have to change instead of just complaining about the young generation. They don't want to work. They're not like us, etc. Yeah, they're different. It's us to change. Uh, otherwise, uh, you know, we need to check out, right? So, yeah. and I think the challenge is is very good. Yeah, and also let's face it, uh, there's a new generation of customers also that, uh, and they will be served by these. Just uh, as a side note, I remember my first job in the hotel, uh, very first job in the hotel, and the interview. Uh, and uh, my passion at that time was I enjoyed playing guitar, and uh, so uh, the general manager then uh, sat me down in in his office and uh, asked me, uh, "You have very long hair. Uh, do you, I don't, we don't like people with long hair, so I think." Uh, are you willing to cut that? Cut your hair if you if we hire you. Said, uh, yeah, at least a little bit. Okay. And then, uh, uh, how many languages do you speak? Well, I speak so and so. And then he tried to probe me in 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 uh, in Swedish, which I answered fluently, and English I answered fluently. So we were satisfied. 
And then he looked around himself. There was a guitar in the corner. I said, do you play guitar? Uh, yeah, I can play a little bit. So then, so the whole thing, how I got the job was that I, besides that I've committed to him that I'm going to cut uh, a little bit of my long hair, also that I played him a, a song. So that was sort of my interview process. And I, and I still remember that as one of my best interviews I ever had. <laughs> yeah, that reminds me also the interview process we had with uh, Patina when we started. Really, one of the key questions is passion, right? Do you have a passion for something? Do you have a hobby? You know, what's your hobby? Uh, and if somebody said I don't have a hobby, then really uh, that was a no-go question. But for me, if somebody has a hobby and is passionate about something then they, they can be passionate about their job, right? So, so that's the kind of character you're looking for in the, in the hospitality business. So, uh, you know, that, that, that was that. But, you know, to the original title of our discussion, really, strategy, culture, yeah. do they go in hand in hand? You know, I, I, I believe they, they do go hand in hand and they need to be aligned, right? So you can't have a strategy that is not aligned with uh, the culture. You can't have culture that is not aligned with strategy, you know? So you, you obviously in today's world, you can't just operate the business without the strategy, right? So, but alignment and constantly reviewing the alignment and adjusting also is obviously hugely, hugely important, but staying also, you know, in, uh, including culture pretty much in every decision making process within the organization at all levels right so so for example uh, i don't know if we decide about uh, a, a colleague uh, uh, you know one of the the key pillars that we we talked about our new company is generosity you know are we generous we want to be generous to our colleagues we want to be generous to our uh, clients also you know so so if we have that philosophy um, you know, uh, I don't know, not being able to provide, uh, adequate, uh, benefits to our colleagues is probably not uh, a good sign of generosity. It's not only money. Money is only one bit. And we all know that, you know, people don't leave normally for money, except maybe line employees that's, you know, really need it. It's mostly, uh, the culture or bad boss, et cetera, et cetera. You know, so, so if, if you don't include your, your culture in every business decision on your purpose, that's when you're not aligned, you know? So, yeah. and I think when we, we talk about other companies outside of the hospitality business, I'm sure you have a couple of examples, but the one I love is always Apple. Yeah. You know, we all love Apple. And I always love going into an Apple store because when I meet these colleagues, they are fanatics about Apple, they love it. And their purpose is not to, you know, their I feel that they have a purpose and the purpose is not to do an eight hour job. They want to really, you know, uh, engage you and make the, make you as, uh, engaged with Apple as they are, right. You can really feel it in my opinion, right. And they yeah. don't try to sell you too much stuff. They really want to please you. And I think they, ha they have that higher purpose. And I don't know what their slogan is, but I'm sure they have a slogan, they have a purpose, sure. etc. an interview process to get people, really the same kind of people uh, into the organization. 
And I, I have gone, like you, in many Apple stores. I was just recently in Miami. I went recently here in Dubai, even though there was a long line of uh, people wanted to buy the new Apple <laughs> uh, device, right? So, but um, uh, that's, I think for me, that's a great example of, uh, you know, a company that has a purpose and uh, shows it through their colleagues. Yeah. Another brand within the hotel, I mean, Virgin uh, brand is a good example also. <clears throat> Uh, Branson, who has, uh, I mean, it's uh, the the personality, uh, and uh, they extended into the, uh, they covers uh, lots of industries and also into the hotels, uh, but it also shows that there's something they are very innovate. The innovation is what I really like about, uh, uh, and it's also like comes around about the uh, the personality of Branson. Yeah, yeah, no, I completely agree with you. You know, I had the pleasure to meet him at least once, you know, so, but, uh, you know, when I looked at a couple of uh, his uh, videos on LinkedIn, I just recently saw it when he was uh, welcoming the CEO of, uh, I think it was the Virgin uh, cruise ships, and he brought two glasses of champagne and spilled them all over him, right? So obviously, mostly on purpose, I I, I would think, yeah. that showed the fun of joining that organization the yes. fact that that you know they were level, uh, you know, uh, not level, but you see there was a, a relationship there, and he was also making fun of himself being clumsy, right? So not being able to serve two glasses of champagne, the kind of the messages that he sends, right? So you need to have yeah. fun, not that you didn't need to spill champagne on your guests, right? That's probably not a message. No. But, um, uh, you know, if you ask me, would you like to work for him? I would say yes, right? That I, I was kind of hoping once somebody would contact me because I would have said yes. I would, number one, I would have loved interviewing with him yes. because he, he, he would have asked you some really interesting questions. But uh, that's a very good example. I agree with you. Yeah. But when we look at the hotels where <clears throat> uh, visiting certain hotels, you walk in and you really feel you have arrived at their, uh, and there's a brand, there's a culture and there's a brand that stands behind their promise, like uh, Amman Hotels, for example. You go to any, any Amman Hotels, it's a, it's a fantastic feeling when you go there. I mean, I, I visited a few. I haven't stayed at any, but I have visited a few, and I really have to say that was a uh, eye-opening to see that, uh, that how someone has tastefully designed and also developed the culture that is whether it's from bali to to uh, morocco you know you always feel that you have arrived at, at the aman hotel yeah yeah i mean with aman it's also uh architecturally you know they have been able to keep really that feel of space privacy you know serenity any aman you walk to you you have that feeling, right? But on top of it, the staff, right? The colleagues, they yeah. make the difference. And you can sure. really feel that they deeply care for you. Uh, and uh, even the types of leaders they have, they, they're not very good at reading P&Ls, but they're certainly good at looking after guests, right? So yeah. uh, I, I don't know if this has changed now with obviously the new leadership and, uh, and so on. It'll be interesting to see also because they're just launching a second brand which is a more uh, approachable brand to see if there's any differences in the, the way they would service. I would think there must be a difference, right? But, sure. um, but uh, yeah, that's a very good example. I, I, yeah. I agree with you, you know? Yeah. 
How about then we're looking at uh, what is happening with large um, hotel management companies are buying entire brands and there's now developing a, uh, whether the culture comes along with that or is it just simply a strategic decision? Uh, I know Accor has been buying up brands left, right and center uh, and so and some other companies also. What is your thought about this? Is that a, uh, do you think that is a long living uh, or is, a, is this a, a smart thing to do or, uh, if they're just looking at the, buying the brand and then try to get the most out of it, getting into the all inclusives and et cetera? Yeah, I think, I think it's, it's, I mean, it's obviously a core, it's, it's, it's good to diversify, but uh, I think they have about 45 brands by now. So, so really differentiating the brands and keeping the cultures, um, you know, obviously uh, serene and, and clean will be extremely difficult. They have done yeah. one good thing is that they kept the founders on board, right? So 25 hours, Mama Shelter, etc., which is a good move. But really, uh, unfortunately, when you are a global brand of over 5,000 hotels, eventually there'll be dilution. Uh, and it's a pity, but uh, this is big business, right? So so that's why the larger groups are um, you know, not really able to, to keep it. When you take uh, 25 hours in, in, in Dubai, for example, for me, it's it's a little bit of a deviation from the original brand because uh, it's 400 rooms, it's big, has very traditional restaurants in there. The lobby doesn't have the same vibe that it it has uh, in the other hotels, and so and so and so. Again, why? Because they don't own the assets. Also, you know, if you own the asset, you control everything because it's your decision. It's a it's a business decision to do uh, you know what whatever you want to do. If you obviously have a management contract, you know, you get uh, pushed into compromises to say, okay, our brand standards or guidelines is 200 rooms. Okay, you got the opportunity to do 400 rooms. Who is walking away from that? You know, you don't have to walk away from a business decision. And the deal maker, you know, obviously has his commission in line, you know, so he definitely will push for the 400 rooms, right? So, So then you have deviation. When you look at brands that um, have been able to to keep the DNA, like uh, Peninsula is a good example, right? Because they own their hotels, or they at least have 50% ownership in most of their hotels. When you look at every Peninsula, but they have 10, 12 hotels in the world now, right? So just recently opened London. I'm going to see it in uh, in November, so look forward to it. Uh, to see uh, if if it's still very much in line with their original philosophy, which I think uh, it is. Yeah, I also like uh, another example of of a brand that I really like is Langham, and Langham is very much part of a the uh, the Hong Kong based uh, real estate company, and they own m- most of their assets, and they have able to retain pretty good standard overall, and and you have the leadership. Uh, now who are been long over 25 years with the company and so they'll continue on the path. So I have a great respect uh, for like the Langham brand that they are uh, considering they originally had come using a name of a hotel in, in London, but now they're doing some excellent work uh, and also carry out their various brand standards, but they also, they don't grow fast, but they, they go, it's kind of a slow and steady growth uh, uh, similar to, the companies like uh, Peninsula, which uh, 
I really enjoy to see what they are doing next. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. But they they do own quite a few of their hotels also, right? So That's so they have really control. And nowadays, like back to the management contracts, right? So also, when you start developing, uh, a man, you know, like a brand, whatever it is, you you need to control the first uh, stage of development. You know, so, and I remember, for example, when. Uh, um, the uh, various brands were launched. Let's say also, for example, W is a good example, right? W uh, very, very ahead of its time, incredible success, etc. But really, over the years, got diluted to the extent that Marriott, I believe, has reassessed the brand and uh, relaunched um, a couple of Ws. They say they they're on standard, on the new standard, right? So. Uh, or, for example, Edition, that's another good example. When they launched Edition, they they owned the first three hotels, four hotels in the U.S., right? So so, so they established a brand and eventually then sold the assets but kept, uh, obviously, the brand and expanded the brand, right? So the early stager, stages are, are, are very, very crucial. That's why when I was in Asia and we did Patina, our first hotel was owned, and uh, it, it was um, difficult to expand before we had to open the first hotel because a lot of people said, look, um, it's great. We know that you can operate a good hotel. We have a lot of respect for the Cree family. It's going to be good quality. But come back when your hotel is open and then, you know, we can really feel, we can stay there and feel it. And then also obviously make it successful, right? So so controlling uh, the hotels in the first stages hugely important and you know it depends on what your ambitions are uh, if you uh, you know uh, want to control continuously then you have to own all, all your hotels absolutely yeah yeah so I think the, there's this is an interesting discussion and I'm I always look forward to see what uh, what is the next step whether uh, the 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 big uh, the, the big companies are getting continue to get, get bigger and how are they going to manage and what is the customer going to say when they have been used to staying in a branded hotel that they knew from before and there was a culture, but now something has happened and there's not the same feeling. I mean, their customers will uh, uh, vote with a wallet, as they call it. And uh, But I, I, have a, I have a passion for those small brands, I must say. I think they, they are, you, feel, you kind of feel it in your fingertips when you walk into the hotel that they are, they are, they are something special. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember uh, once in Hong Kong at one of the conferences, I did a short, uh, so, so, you know, some sort of TED call on uh, big or small, who's going to win, right? So, so my point was big is big. When you look at Marriott, you look at Hilton, Accor, ISG, that's the big four guys, uh, you know, they are becoming distribution companies, you know, so they send yeah. you free things. Yeah, the distribution system their loyalty program on their brands, right? Which is okay. Yep. And actually in some areas, they don't even want to manage anymore because it's too too costly, etc. And who does the best? I mean, I think Marriott and Hilton are really doing extremely well at that. She also Accor still has a lot of operating management. They've taken the decision to do more of a hybrid, right? So between management and things. But then you look at the the small players and i what i did in doing that talk i compared to say 20 years ago who were the top 20 hotels in the world 
And today, who are the top 20 hotels in the world? You know, the top whatever. Uh, and then you suddenly realize, oh, it's not the Four Seasons. It's not the Ritz-Carlton. It's many, many different hotels that are maybe even unknown, right? But they, they truly, truly are special, right? So yeah. a friend of mine is running uh, or is a partner in Nihi, Nihi Beach in Sumba. Uh, wow, yeah, that's a nice hotel. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And that, that was a, a friend of mine actually in Bali. Actually, you might even have known them, uh, Petra. And, um, and, 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 and I now forgot his, his, his first name. But anyway, they, they, they started uh, this resort, which was very, very basic. And eventually, my, uh, my friend took it over with, uh, obviously, a big investor. And it, they, they really kept the culture and the, the idea of, number one, the location is just fantastic. And if you're a surfer, you love it. But what they, they have really uh, ensured to do is that they, they kept the resort ingrained in the culture, the local culture, you know. So you get experiences that you, you, you cannot pay for. You can only get there, you know. So you have yeah. wild horses going in front. You can get involved with the local community. You can go and, I don't know, collect some rice or this or go and, uh, uh, you, you know, be part of a ceremony like I'm sure in Bali you went to a couple of these um, wonderful ceremonies, Balinese ceremonies, which really you, you, you'll never re- forget, right? And the accommodation is fairly simple, but it's, uh, it's, it is, I wouldn't call it luxurious the way you think of luxurious marble and, you know, gold, etc. But it's such an incredible experience that, um, at one stage it was rated number one hotel in the world. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, Sumba is on, on a lot of people's lips now, uh, primarily because of, uh, in the string of islands, which were Sumba is, is not, uh, Sumba is not a volcanic island, for instance. So you have uh, all beautiful white sand beaches, and uh, then uh, you don't have to fly to Jakarta to get to Sumba. You just fly directly to Bali because Bali has a yeah. better connection. A one-hour flight from Bali, you are you are in Sumba, and of course uh, there are the the celebrities uh, have found Sumba already a long time ago. So they they stayed at place like Nihi and. When they stay and they talk about it in in their glossy lifestyle magazines, uh, people catch on to it. And uh, Sumba is on its way up now in development. So I, I, I just hope that they keep true to what uh, uh, the running horses is nice, uh, and the sand is nice, but they have to also make sure that they, they keep the culture and everything that uh, Sumba became famous for, that it, it's retained and that it will, be, will truly be a good, great destination. Yeah, yeah. Or when you look at Europe, for example, the, the the most famous hotels, you know, a lot of the famous hotels are independent hotels, right? Yes. Uh, I think it's about 70% that's still independent in Europe, right? And talking about Switzerland, where I spent the last four years, you know, uh, of my life, uh, it was great to rediscover these wonderful hotels, you know, that have uh, such a history and their family business from, you know, generation to generation. Uh, take, uh, you know, the the the, the Borulac or you know whatever the the Bad Ragaz and these these are incredible hotels that have been running for years and years and they 
they don't really need to be part of a, a marriage chain or part of an accord chain, etc. It would actually diminish probably their value if they would be associated with any uh, major American brand, right? So, uh, and uh, they have their own culture, right? So they, 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 you, you, and you go and you get really outstanding service uh, in those hotels, and again, great memories. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I have. Uh, I feel the same about uh, those uh, well-known, family-run Swiss hotels. I mean, they are they are some, they are so unique, and it's like a, a precious jewelry that uh, that uh, has been kept for generations. And and uh, they uh, yes, they will live with the time, of course, because generations will look for certain things. But at the end of the day, the location where the hotel is. The architecture, the surroundings, and also the service culture is second to none. But you uh, cannot start with a new brand suddenly. It's something that has evolved, and that's exactly to the point that you have made that uh, culture evolves over time. You cannot really uh, put the uh, press the button and it will happen overnight. Yeah, yeah, and that's where the name Patina came. Obviously, the patina that uh, develops over, uh, you know, over years and time that you, you cherish it, you look after it, it develops this beautiful patina. That was actually the the, the whole idea between patina because, um, again, uh, the Queens love uh, architecture and, and they have a very, very long-term vision in whatever they do, right? So the, the name was actually perfect. I didn't need uh, 10 uh, naming agencies, you know, to get to that name. Uh, and I think it's a wonderful name. And I'm glad yeah, that the, yeah. the brand has finally taken off. Very good. Thank you, Mark. There has been a great discussion. So I think the conclusion is that uh, they have to go hand in hand. Uh, the, 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 the strategy and culture has to go hand in hand. One, is, one cannot survive without another, isn't it? Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, they and they they need to be constantly aligned, and again, every decision making needs to be driven by both. You know, by strategy, yeah. but by culture also. You know, so so, and every time you you go against the culture, you you're going to put a question mark in some people's mind. Yeah, absolutely. Well, again, thank you, Mark. It has been a great discussion. So. Uh, and we have a list of topics we have to cover here in, in the next few months. So I'm looking forward to to bring you uh, bring you back to the uh, to the show, and we we continue from where we originally started, but two episodes ago. So thanks again, Mark. Yeah. Perfect, perfect. Thank you, Sam. All the very best. Huh? Likewise, thank you. Thanks for joining us this week on the Social Hotelier Show. Make sure to visit our website, b8bhospitality.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes or Spotify, so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in the show, we appreciate rating on iTunes, or if you simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us too. Be sure to tune in for our next episode.